Hello, I'm Abram Banning, an English professor at Washington University in St. Louis. And I'm Joanne Diaz, a poet and English professor at Illinois Wesleyan University. And this is Poetry for All, the podcast where we look at one poem each episode and think a bit about what it does and how it works. This podcast is for those who already love poetry and for those who know very little about it. We hope it'll be useful for teachers and students, but also for anyone who has ever been curious about poems. In this podcast, we'll read a poem, discuss it, learn from it, and then read it one more time. We thought we'd start this whole series with a few poems about poetry itself, what's called Ars Poetica. And today we have the great poet Emily Dickinson with her poem, Tell All the Truth But Tell It Slant. Abram, would you be willing to read that poem for us? Absolutely. Tell All the Truth, But Tell It Slant by Emily Dickinson. Tell all the truth, but tell it slant. Success in circuit lies. Too bright for our infirm delight, the truth's superb surprise. As lightning to the children eased with explanation kind, the truth must dazzle gradually, or every man be blind. That was great. So, Abram, what do you see the speaker trying to say in this poem. We only have eight lines of poetry. It's a very tight little poem. What is trying to be said here? Yeah, I think a great first question about any poem is just, what are they trying to get across? And sometimes when you just hear a poem, like if this is the first time you've ever heard this poem, it might seem strange. What is she actually trying to say? And in, in, in a way, it's a very simple sort of message. She's saying the best way to get at the truth is indirectly. If you try to tell the truth directly, it doesn't come across or it blinds people or it stuns them. It doesn't get across to people. So the best way to actually get the truth across to somebody is to approach it indirectly. And that's sort of the basic point of the poem. But then you have to ask yourself, well, why does she say it this way then? And that's where poetry comes in. So, so when you ask, why does she doing it this sort of way? What do you notice about the kind of structure of this poem? This structure is so interesting to me because Emily Dickinson is drawing upon not only her own contemporary moment, but the long history of common meter or ballad meter in English. This has been a popular form since the Middle Ages in the English language. Um, and so what is that form? You can hear it if you just read the poem aloud as you just did, Abram, right? So you heard it when you said, tell all the truth, but tell its slant. So there's four beats in that line, right? And then in the second line, there are three beats. Success in circuit lies. Success mm -hmm. in circuit lies. So it's four against three, and then four against three. And the ballad or common meter goes like that the whole way down. Um, so through the Middle Ages and the Renaissance, this was a really popular meter for singing a tune to go with poems that were popular stories. And then in Emily, by the time Emily Dickinson is engaging with this meter, she was hearing it in church. So a lot of the Psalms had been translated into this meter for a song in the 1800s. It was enormously popular. And so she's tapping into a rhythm and a sound that is very resonant and powerful for her uh, in her lived daily experience. What I love about that 4343 is that it's an even against an odd. So there's a feeling of asymmetry that needs to be completed every time you get through one of those two line pairs. There's also a rhyme going on at the ends of the lines. So tell all the truth, but tell it slant. Success in circuit lies, that's the B line, too bright for our infirm delight, 
uh, The Truth's Superb Surprise. So what Emily Dickinson is doing is aligning lies with surprise. I think we have a tendency to imagine that rhyme is just this ornament, this prettifying thing that poets use. In fact, it's the opposite. It actually relates directly to content and is actually very important for our understanding of the narrative situation of the poem. And so I wonder if I could just use that as a launching off point to ask you the, the next question, which is, when you encounter this poem, what do you see as its narrative situation? What do you see as whatever has spurred or inspired this speaker to speak this poem? Yeah, I love that. So, I mean, one of the things I see happening here is that this this speaker is is telling this to someone, uh, and that person might be herself, uh, it might be somebody else, but clearly it, it, there's a sense in which they have tried other ways and they haven't worked. It, it sort of feels like a poem that comes out of failure. And so they're coming to this recognition, ah, well, tell all the truth, but tell it's slant, success and circuit lies. They've figured out the way to success. And it's through this inversion, it's through this uh, circuitous way. So just to return to the structure for just a moment, I mean, one of the things I love about what you were just saying about the the meter of the thing, it, it sort of hangs perfectly in the balance between a secular ballad and a churchy hymn. And so when she's getting at the truth of the matter and what she's doing and her relationship to it, it could be in any of those contexts. If you think about the the hymns, a lot of people know. So for example, Amazing Grace works perfectly uh, with this. So tell all the truth, but tell its land. It goes all the way through the poem that way. So people know this meter even now in all of the, the, the common hymns and, and songs that we have. But yeah, it lands this stress at the end of these lines. And then what you can see her doing with that stress is precisely what she says you ought to do, which is she's inverting things. She's making things circuitous. So what she should be saying is, tell all the truth, but tell us slant. Success lies by coming at things in circuit. And instead, she moves the word lies to the end of that line. She inverts the the proper sort of grammatical order, success in circuit lies. And it forces us to pause on that word lies. And it forces us to see it in a different sort of way. That Okay, and to follow up on what you're saying, if you look at the next two lines after that, too bright for our infirm delight, the truth's superb surprise. It should read... The truth's superb surprise is too bright for our infirm delight. What she does by flipping those is she gets to land on the truth's superb surprise, which is superior to anything that we could possibly access as humans. So it lands on the most important resonant thing, which is very effective. Right. And so you start to look at what is it about these particular emphases that she wants us to notice? And even if you go back to that that second line that lands on the word lies, she's, in a certain sense, she's just having fun with that. I mean, she's basically saying maybe sometimes the best way to get at the truth is through a lie. And so she's playing with the double meaning of that word lies. It, it's sort of surprising, again, the rhyme there having a, a, a formal feature and a content feature to it as well. The lies surprise us into the truth. Uh, and so she's doing with this poetry exactly what she's telling us to do with poetry. Very nice. We haven't gotten to the second half of the poem yet, though. No, uh, we probably should. Now's a good time to do that. Now's a good time to do it. So uh, so what do you notice in the second half of this poem? Or how do you see it as relating to the first half? 
what I noticed right away is that it's almost like if you were to describe the shape of the poem, it's almost like a bifurcated shell, right? So when you find a shell on the beach and then you can crack it open right on that hinge, um, this is a perfectly symmetrical poem because the first four lines are very theoretical. They're giving us an idea about how one ought to theoretically approach the truth. The second four lines are providing us with an example to help anchor our understanding of how one should tell the truth. Does that make sense? So for I know that we talked about language when we were discussing this poem before recording this. Are there some key words that you kind of latch on to in that second part of the poem that help you understand how the second half of the poem is an illustration that, of the theory that's set up in the first part? Yeah, so for me, the, the word explanation is really key here. And this is part of what makes it, for me, um, and ours poetic. I'm, there are other ways of reading this poem, but whenever I read this poem, that's kind of how I understand it because she's in a certain sense telling her how to herself how to do this art and why to do this art. And the explanation of lightning is in a certain sense her understanding of what poetry is. What is poetry? It's a kind of explanation of the lightning. And if you think about that, how do you explain the lightning? If a kid says to you, what is the lightning? I mean, what are you going to say to them? There's a dictionary definition of it. You could say to them, oh, it's the flashing of light produced by a discharge of atmospheric electricity. But that's not really going to help them. When you think about how you explain lightning, what you end up doing is falling into poetic devices. So if, if one of my kids were to ask me what the lightning is, I would try to bring it down to their level. I'd say, oh, it's sort of like this huge buildup of energy, kind of like when you shake a pop can and it needs to get out. And so as soon as it's poked, it just explodes out. And that's sort of like what lightning is. It all comes out at once in a big explosion. It's a big flash of light. It's amazing, uh, but it's also dangerous. So we need to kind of look at it from, from a distance. But you see, immediately I'm falling into comparison. I'm falling into metaphor or simile. I'm, I'm falling into poetry to explain what the lightning is. And that's one of the reasons why I think of this poem as a kind of Ars Poetica. And it also seems important to the poem and to her point that she's giving us an example of explaining lightning to children and that there's a way in which we never quite emerge from that childlike state, uh, which is to say it's not as if when we're children we don't get certain things and then as we mature we're suddenly able to access the truth in a very direct, honest sort of way. We always need to be gradually told uh, the truth because it's so dazzling, it's so superb, um, and we are so infirm in our perceptions that this is a position we're in our whole lives. Yeah, and, and even if you think about the imagery that she's using there, um, so step back and ask yourself, okay, well, what is the truth of lightning then? And on the one hand, it's that dictionary definition about an atmospheric discharge of electricity. On the other hand, it's all the experiences of lightning that we know. It's our memories of lightning. It's the awe of lightning, the danger of lightning. So lightning is more than its dictionary definition. It is all of those things. And in order to get at the truth of lightning, you actually need to get at all of those things. And the best way, maybe the only way to get at them is indirectly. It's going to require poetry. So that's a little bit about how I sort of see this as her again, as a poet talking to herself about, about her art. That's really nice. So that helps me understand how you see this as an Ars Poetica poem, that is, any kind of poem that addresses the art of making. And of course, 
there are so many ways in which when you initially approach this poem, you might feel like it's inaccessible, right? That inversion of syntax we've talked about, the rhyme, the meter, those capitalized nouns. However, the more you talk about it, the more you can see that she's drawing upon a very long tradition that's actually quite accessible um, and comes to a commonplace piece of wisdom at the very end of the poem. The truth must dazzle gradually or every man be blind. She has this remarkable ability, um, as so many poets have over the centuries, this remarkable ability to create this tiny piece of commonplace epigrammatic wisdom that can be easily excerpted and sort of memorized and transferred into other spaces that I just think is so remarkable. Yeah, and, and I love to, I mean, you could feel her in this poem combining that incredible sort of epigrammatic wisdom, as you, as you say, uh, with a kind of just fun in and of itself. There's a kind of delight in the poem itself that is getting at our infirm delight. So, you know, when my daughter took naps and she would wake up and I'd turn the light on and, you know, she was always sort of taken aback by that. And as I was changing her diaper, then I would say, ah, too bright for our infirm delight, the true superb surprise. There's a kind of like funness to it. I, I don't know if she thought that was so fun when she was uh, just waking up from her nap, but I thought it was fun. Uh, and and there's, a, it, there's a kind of jauntiness and fun and delight to the poem itself that then ends on this sort of kernel of wisdom. And I love the way she's combining those registers here. Yeah, it's wonderful. Would you be willing to read this poem for us? Yes. Tell all the truth, but tell it slant. Success in circuit lies. Too bright for our infirm delight, the truth's superb surprise. As lightning to the children eased with explanation kind, the truth must dazzle gradually, or every man be blind. That's great. Thank you. For more on this poem, please visit our website and please follow us at Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Thank you. See you next time.